It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from the first one with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is the first one. I talk to the most iconic artists on the planet about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland, who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to being overlooked to being overbooked. Join me every Thursday, only on Amazon Music. Who they think you're gonna beat them bangles? It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. It is mayhem in Cincinnati today, as Cordy Glenn reportedly got into an argument with a coach yesterday at practice, was fined $200,000 for conduct detrimental to the team, which I think before 2019, according to Spotrack, there's no record of that fine happening in the last few years. However, this year, Antonio Brown was fined by the Raiders, a collective $265,000 or so on two different occasions in the preseason. And Stephon Diggs took a fine for $200,000 for conduct detrimental to the Minnesota Vikings. So taking a page out of those books, Cordy Glenn fined today. And this is one day after he practiced. And now today he wasn't at practice. Even his parking spot was empty. It sounds like he will not play this week. As Zach Taylor said, Left tackle John Jerry will start, and it'll be newly acquired Fred Johnson backing him up on that side. So, Cordy Glenn, one day after we thought the Bengals would get a boost on the offensive line is nowhere to be found, and I think this means this is the last we've seen of Cordy Glenn in a Bengals uniform. Uh, We're going to talk about the implications of everything that happened, how it happened, why it happened on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. But also, I think right now it's worth debating, what do the Bengals do now? Do they just cut him as he requested, or can they find a trade partner and try and recoup some of his value? You probably remember that the Bengals traded for Cordy Glenn last year in a pick swap trade with the Buffalo Bills, moving back uh, nine spots in the first round from 12 to 21 and moving up from the sixth round to the fifth round later on, that's about a third round value, we determined at the time. If the Bengals got a third round, we'd be jumping for joy, I think. I think, if anything, they're looking at a fourth or fifth round pick for a guy who there's questions about motivation right now. There's questions, according to Tyler Dragon from the Cincinnati Inquirer, that he wanted to ever come back and play for the Bengals. But I agree with Paul Daner Jr. from The Athletic when he said, I think this is probably the last we see of Cordy Glenn in a Bengals uniform. So they traded back, ended up picking Billy Price last year instead of sticking with their 12th overall pick. And in return, they got one year of Cordy Glenn. And 13 of 22 games played. So it wasn't even a full year of play for a former solid left tackle. They never got to see much of that at all. 
We'd certainly like it if he were coming back and playing. We were excited for that yesterday. You all heard us be excited about there being a potential boost. The left tackle position has been rough. They've been hiding it. But instead, we're looking back at John Jerry now. Apparently, Cordy Glenn has asked for his release. So we'll see what the Bengals do here. They have fined him reportedly $200,000 to try to recoup some of the money, I guess, that they've paid him or that he's due. The Bengals are on the hook for $9.25 million total in 2019 for Cordy Glenn with $2 million of those dollars a roster bonus that's already been paid. So if they were to trade him now or release him, they would eat that $2 million of dead money and free up 7.25 against the cap. But honestly, at this point in the season, that money doesn't matter. It's not going to do anything. That might matter next year. And I hope he has some trade value. There are teams out there that could use a starting tackle. The fact that he has cleared the concussion protocol, was able to practice yesterday. Maybe he can convince another team that he's willing to play and, and ready to go, and the Bengals can get something, even if it's a fifth, sixth rounder at this point. Just something to help bolster this team next year. Yeah, somebody's going to buy low on Cody Glenn and get a serviceable player essentially for free because of what's happened in Cincinnati here. It's not like Cody Glenn is an elite tackle who's asked for a trade. In fact, I find it strange that there's no report that he asked for a trade at all. The only thing that's been reported so far is that he's asked for his release. I'm sure we'll learn more from the time that we release this clip, this episode, until tomorrow when we hear more news as this develops, but... Right now, no request for a trade, only a request for a release, which I find quite curious, and I think that's where some of the questions about his motivation come from. To leave that drama and go to some other drama, it doesn't sound like A.J. Green is going to practice at all this week. He even said it was the plan that he wasn't going to practice. It sounds like maybe head coach Zach Taylor got a little overzealous and excited, and uh, he is still day-to-day, week-to-week at this point. It sounds like we're going to have to wait at least another week until he fully practices. And on the other hand, Darquez Denard looks like he is on the way to starting this week in place of either William Jackson or Drake Kirkpatrick. Actually, take a take a coin flip there, but it sounds like he's practiced well enough through two days that he'll get the nod on Sunday. Also noteworthy, the Bengals released Samaje Piran today, who we speculated would be released to make room for Darquez Denard coming off the PUP, but instead, that was a corresponding move to the Bengals signing Anthony Zettel. Former Lion, he's an edge rusher, and they are injured at that edge so he's gonna have to play this week and p ryan as we talked about yesterday there just aren't touches for him there's not playing time for him so they made a roster spot that way and they'll probably have to make another one and that might be cordy glenn at this point if you found a hundred dollars on the street would you pick it up or keep walking of course you take the money so why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them that's why i go to my bookie it's fast it's easy and they pay when you win let's face it Where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. MyBookie offers a variety of options depending on your style of betting. You can bet on games after kickoff if by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can take the other side and recoup your cash. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, you can try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. No matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit just use promo code locked on to activate the offer. That's promo code locked on. Visit mybookie.ag today to play so you win and get paid. This is Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car 
That's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made the purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door, or you can go and pick it up from one of the coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring that you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check it out, the nation's fastest growing auto retailer at Carvana.com, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com, Carvana.com. So Jake, we've got Cordy Glenn situation that's really on the burner here. And I kind of wanted to go through some of the rumors and things you hear back channel stuff, uh, especially that I heard over the last two months. And this is stuff I don't normally talk about because I just collect information sometimes and keep moving. And a lot of times if you don't have a second source, you just kind of forget about it and, and add it to the pile of maybe this is true. But I think now that we have a clearer picture of, of what is going on, at least everything came to a head today, uh, I think everything I heard makes sense. And so I just wanted to go through that a little bit to see if it, you know, kind of makes sense for you. So he self-reports a concussion, uh, which is fine. That, that stuff happens. And then, you know, that's something that maybe takes two to four weeks on average, but you really can't put a timetable on it, right? It, it could last, concussion can linger for a long time. It depends on the person in the situation. But the Bengals felt like Cordy Glenn with his history, and this is something I've heard from Bill's people too, is that he lets injuries linger. He makes sure he's 100% before he ever comes back. Uh, I've also heard he, he takes time away from the team at, at times and just uh, kind of does his own thing and comes back and, and says, okay, I'm ready to go. And and obviously that's not what you want. So as this thing lingered on uh, uh, a month or so and he's missing regular season time, it sounds like he said, I'm still feeling symptoms with my vision and other things like that that aren't really um, you know, necessarily concussion or, or don't have to be concussions. But since he was already in the concussion protocol, he can't pass it and get out of it even if he wanted to. So now the, the Bengals doctors are getting to the point where they're clearing him or getting close to clearing him and he can work on the side. But Cordy Glenn wants to get second opinions, see his own doctor, and he's dragging it out a little bit longer. And the cl- the questions now are, are starting to mount and grow of this guy doesn't want to play. He doesn't want to be here. And so about, you know, about three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, I, I heard the Bengals were interested in getting out of his contract completely. Like, OK, what can we do? Uh, can we trade him? Can we release him? I mean, he's injured. Can we trade him? Can we, you know, if we release him, is it some type of injury thing? Can we put him on, on waivers, uh, injury settlement? Uh, so they were exploring all options while at the same time, very understanding that this is a concussion. It, all, it isn't all treated the same. And at the same time, they need a left tackle right now. So they really wanted to get him back. So I can understand also at the same time why Cordy Glenn is saying that he felt pressured to get back on the field and play despite him. If he is still feeling issues or, or especially vision issues that maybe aren't necessarily from the concussion, but didn't get him out of the protocol why he would why they would think he's faking it and why he could take it very seriously and say no something's going on here or it might be true that he doesn't care about football that much and wants to get out of it but i just wanted to lay it all out there and i think as we sit here today all that kind of makes sense of why there's a little bit of fighting going on and then there's the whole side of this is just a disaster of a team and it's been a disaster of an offensive line room and maybe he just doesn't get along with jim turner right like, let's, let's take the Jim Turner speculation line all the way to its end. 
Because okay. you could you could put a lot at his feet if it's all his fault, and it's probably not. I just want to say but that it, up front. It's probably it can't be not all, all his fault. No, it's it's probably not all a coincidence, but it's not all his fault. So it's possible that if it is one hundred percent on Jim Turner, everything that's happened to the offensive line room, that means that Clint Bowling, maybe that makes his retirement decision easier. Maybe he thinks, you know what, if it was a coach that I got along with and I felt like it was going to be a healthy environment in that offensive line room, maybe he's more likely to stay in the league. Probably not, but let's just put out there everything, right? Christian Westerman, we've talked about that one quite a bit. Uh, Signing Bobby Hart, that one we know for sure is a Jim Turner thing. Signing uh, John Miller, who knows? That's probably got to be something that given the Bobby Hart move, probably a Jim Turner decision. We didn't hate it. But again, like that's a pretty minor decision. The whole thing with Billy Price, when I talked to him in Cincinnati and his confidence sounded a little shook. Yeah, well, probably something you could attribute to the offensive line coach. And then he gets benched, takes him a long time to beat out a poorly performing left left guard in Michael Jordan to get a chance. And yes, he's been better than Michael Jordan. He still hasn't been great. But at this point, you you have to wonder how much of this has to do with confidence. How much of this is just like what we saw with John Ross? Okay, mm-hmm. and now you've got Cordy Glenn on top of all of that. You can that doesn't to, want to play. Doesn't want to play. Didn't even ask for a trade, which I find to be the weirdest part about this. I talked about that in segment one. I feel like if he still wanted to play football, wanted to get out of Cincinnati, he could be doing like Trent Williams, right? Same thing. I don't want to play for this team, but I still want to play football, so let me go. And he did ask for his release. And he knows how much money a release would cost him. So, you know, he's not asking for a trade here, so... I'm not saying this is all at Jim Turner's feet, but this is all happening in Jim Turner's orbit, right? This is all guys that are reporting directly to him. So there's got to be something weird there. It's not like it's all happening to the receiver room or to the running back room or to the linebacker room, right? This is a, a, and Zach Taylor said today, no, those are all unique situations that require nuance and you should talk to those players and yada, yada, because he doesn't see the correlation. But I mean, it's just weird to have all of these. And this is, it's not like this guy isn't known for being a big douchebag, right? So this isn't out of the blue. This is like, okay, there might be some correlation here to one position group having guys retire. Like Kent Perkins just retired, remember, out of nowhere. It's not like he would have been a good player, but this, this we're starting guards at tackle for how many weeks now. He could have probably helped this team in some capacity. Uh, he did get drafted by the XFL recently anyways. But uh, point being is... It's a strong correlation. And now if it may, let's say he has nothing to do with it. These are all unique situations, random acts, acts and, and just a, an occurrences in a row, a string of them that, um, man, are unlikely. Well, then that sucks. And, and what else is new for the Bengals that can't seem to get anything right this year? Yeah, it could be just a, a string of terrible luck. I don't know how much I subscribe to believing in luck generally. I think that there are causes for all of these things. And I think that there could very well be a culture problem. But you go look at the video on Bengals.com of Zach Taylor taking questions. He uh, he says right up front, this is an internal discipline matter. That's all I'm going to say on the topic. He gets asked about seven specific follow-up questions and says, I'm not going to talk about Cordy Glenn anymore. And he's not, he's respectful about it. He's not being a dickhead about it like, you know, Marvin Lewis might be. He's not being a chucklehead out there, but he's not answering questions. So we have no idea. He did say, like Joe mentioned, he recommended that the reporters go talk to the individual players. I find it really interesting. That's a good note that Kent Perkins was drafted by the XFL. Retires. 
He's still playing football, apparently. I don't know. Right. Maybe he doesn't have to. Well, he must have entered himself into the draft, right? So I, there's something fishy going on there. We don't know the details. I don't think we'll ever know the details. And more now than ever, Taylor's sticking by his guy, Turner. And they've got these three guys together, these rejects from Joe Philbin and, and whoever else was coaching that year. I looked this up earlier in Miami in 2015 or 2014, whatever year it was. Is there these three guys? That was a bad football team, and this is who's leading your Cincinnati Bengals. What are the odds that the coach that Cordy Glenn got into an argument with yesterday or today? I don't even know which day it was, but uh, depending on what you're listening to, was Jim Turner right? I I want to feel like those are pretty good odds. Who else would it be? Who else makes sense? Right? Like unless right. it's a athletic trainer, but they would call that a trainer, not a coach. Strength and conditioning coach, probably not. Not if you're coming right. off a concussion. Doctor. That would that would be a coach, yeah. Right, they'd I, I don't say know part what of coach the staff. Be. And Jim Turner's a fiery guy. Like he's going to get on you. He's going to yell at you. He's going to be a dick. Um. So yeah, I mean that makes all the sense in the world that it would have been Jim Turner. But again, we're speculating, right? We don't know any of these things for sure. Touchdown, Pat Mahomes to Miko Hartman. Let's go. Joe's paying attention to his fantasy football team. I am too. I got two Chiefs going tonight. That gives you an idea of when we're recording this podcast. I don't really want to talk about Cordy Glenn anymore. It sucks. I'm sick of things being terrible for the Bengals. I I tweeted earlier. I started composing a tweet that was like, the Bengals, you know, they released Samaji Perrine like we thought they would. They signed Anthony Zettel. That means the defensive line. And, and then I just, I lost my energy for it. Like, yeah, all these guys are hurt. Like, they're 0-6. Everything sucks. Everything sucks. I know when I go to do my film reviews or, or start writing for the athletic, I just, it is a grind to finish them. It, it's just because I, you wonder if it matters, right? Like is this person in it this week was Jermaine Pratt. So he'll be part of the team for the next couple of years. We hope, I mean, Malik Jefferson only made it one year, but uh, you know, when you're doing it, you, you, you hope that this is a core piece going forward and, and you're watching it, and you're like, man, even these guys that you hope are core pieces are playing poorly. And is this even fun? Is this even cool? God, I can't wait to that Dolphins game. Yeah, the film review has got to be like the least interesting part of the Bengals right now. Right? Like the the interesting stuff is all the stuff that's making headlines. Like sure. Cody Glenn and A.J. Green and Jim Turner and, and whatever. But, I mean, the film review, I think, is still valuable. I, I still oh, yeah. read it. I think everybody should still read it, right? Because you're looking at the pieces that should be interesting for the future. So... We're going to try to do the same on this podcast. We have another segment to do here. We'll come back. Talk about the Jaguars? A... Yeah, they're playing football this weekend, aren't they? Yeah, I guess so. Let's take a look at that matchup. They lost Jalen Ramsey. The Jaguars are a bit of a clown show, too. I mean, at least they have Gardner Minshew leading them. I was going to say the same thing. At least they're excited about the quarterback. And, and, and you know what? I don't even know if he's like the future guy, but at least they're excited now. Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? 
No, nah, but seriously, now is the time to get some skin in the game with my bookie, where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know who these teams are. We know what they're capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with my bookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie. And when you do, use promo code LOCKEDON to get your deposit match halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at MyBookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't wanna do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash EMC. Before we started this, we're on break there discussing Jake and I. He says DJ Chark is the best player on the Jaguars. And you know what? I remember not being very high on him coming out of LSU. I believe he was a second-round pick. But, man, he is tall. He is fast. He makes some good catches. Yeah, sure, DJ Chark's the guy to watch on that offense. Right before Leonard Fournette, I think it's definitely Chark shut him down first, maybe Westbrook. Chark has by far the highest grade if you ask pro football focus. That's why I said it. It's because I pulled up the team on PFF and wow. he's by far the highest graded player on the Jags period. Miles Jack having a bad year according to PFF and probably the highest graded player on either side of the ball for well, either Kalias team. Campbell. Kalias Campbell, you're right. Kalias Campbell is a little bit better for PFF. He's, he's been fantastic. a monster. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to kill it. I was talking to Brandon Thorne today. Uh, I mean, we had him on the show. He's an offensive line guru evaluator. He said, this is his number two, mismatch between uh d-line and o-line of the week and that's Bengals and jags and man that's because the jags got yannick Ngakwe on the one side they'll bring in josh allen on the left hand side kicking Kalias campbell good grief that's gonna give the Bengals some major issues i'm not sure i mean i don't like any of those matchups <laughs> for those three guys those those three guys are good good players we know josh allen is obviously uh out of kentucky the rookie but yannick Ngakwe is maybe the most underrated edge rusher in the nfl yeah, and he's going to fix his season this week. He doesn't have a great grade from PFF right now, which means he's probably not been terribly productive in his first six games of the season. But if you needed a get-well game on a pass rush, this is the week to Go do it. Go against John Jerry. Go against John Jerry, who's the Bengals' highest-graded offensive lineman, by the way. We expect that <laughs> house of cards to at some point come tumbling down. But Kalias Campbell inside, and he'll probably be going up against Billy Price and at, at left guard when, when he's on the – the right side of the defense. He'll get his fair shots at some double teams from from Hopkins. And then on the other side, I guess it's going to be Alex Redmond this week because John That's Miller's right. going to miss at least a week. Yeah, um, I guess Redmond's got a chance to win that job. I mean, I don't know. I, I have a good feeling 
Jim Turner loves Alex Redmond and is, you know, he seems like a very similar kind of guy, you know, a high energy, toughness, grit, penalties. I think Jim Turner would have a lot of penalties <laughs> on the field. <laughs> I know we weren't going to talk, but we we're going to move on. I just, you know, we got on the subject of Alex Redmond, who didn't have a penalty last week, so that's good. But, uh, yeah, so I think that is definitely the matchup to watch, the Bengals O-line versus the, the Jags D-line. But I do wonder if at corner now, A.J. Bouye doesn't typically uh, go into the slot, and he shadows left and right, so... I wonder if Bouye will be on Auden Tate, and they'll say, okay, let's try and take Tate out of the game because really three out of the last four weeks he's been a a uh, number one for the Bengals in terms of the outside receiver. And if that should open it up for Tyler Boyd again, I think he'll go against DJ Hayden in the slot, who's had actually a rebound career after being a first-round bust for the Raiders. And uh, that should be an interesting matchup, Boyd versus Hayden. Hayden's been really good this year if you trust PFF grades and that's my only barometer right now because I've watched zero Jacksonville Jaguars snaps this year. If you had to pick one matchup, Joe, that you felt good about for the Bengals in this game, what would it be? Hmm. Good question. Well, I don't think the Jags use their tight ends or their running backs in the receiving game well enough or often enough. So I like the, maybe that's a function of scheme versus scheme where I like, you know, it's not an individual matchup here, but I do think it's going to be primarily focused on the Bengals have to shut down their, the receivers. But what a bad week for the Bengals to, to face that when they're down their top two corners, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe they'll be all right with B.W. Webb and, and Dark West and Art. Honestly, that doesn't sound horrific, but I think once you get to now the, the third guy being um, Tony McRae and who's the number 20, Tory McTire. That's right. uh, okay, I, well, I guess we'll see what happens there. Yeah, I mean, and you think about the Jaguars receiving core on paper, it looks pretty good. DJ Chark having a great year as a vertical guy. Chris Conley on the other side, solid number two outside, number three receiver really for them. And D.D. Westbrook in the slot, a lot of people thought with Nick Foles especially, he was going to be a high-volume kind of guy this year, similar in a lot of ways to Tyler Boyd, I think. And that hasn't really gotten off the ground yet with Garner Minshew. The Jaguars' offense doesn't scare me that much, though. And depending on who's playing for the Bengals' defense this week, that offensive line doesn't look like it's been very good this year. Garner Minshew, still a rookie, can make mistakes. There's an opportunity there for this defense to have at least one get-right week before they go face the Rams in London, given the Rams have been struggling, too. But if they're looking to build momentum, you know, find something just positive to take away from a game, you really hope that at least something like that happens this week. Yeah, I'm thinking of Jawan Taylor, their rookie second-round pick at the right tackle spot. He got um, embarrassed a couple of times by Cam Jordan of the Saints last week. And if that's Sam Hubbard, if Carlos Dunlap finds a way to get out on the field this week, if not, I'd like to see maybe they switch it up and give a Carl Lawson a couple of times to, to get under him and use some power. I think maybe Andrew Brown is built more like a Cam Jordan. Now, Jan- Jordan's all-world, so there's no one that can match that. I'm just thinking of somebody that's maybe got that power to to get into Juwan Taylor the way Jordan did, and maybe it is uh, an Andrew Brown this week. But, uh, yeah, attacking that side and attacking that position should be probably a focus for them, even though, I mean, the Bengals would probably love to have Juwan Taylor right now. Carl Lawson, unfortunately, didn't even practice today with uh, the hamstring injury, I guess, aggravated at some point. So he and Carlos Dunlap still DNPs on the practice report. Kerry Wynn goes to the IR. Right now, defensive end, I guess it's Sam Hubbard, Andrew Brown, Anthony Zettel. 
Who am I forgetting? That's it. That's it. That's the that's the unit right there. Not great. Thin. And bad. I mean, it's not like they were thin last week, but at least I felt like, well, you got Hubbard, Brown, and Lawson, and if you take Lawson out of there, you're just kind of like, whoa, okay. Not great. So, Jake, I'm worried that this is one of the winnable games remaining on the schedule for the Bengals. We've got the Jaguars this week. Uh, you've got the Raiders in three or four weeks. Uh, is it a bye week in there? I guess that's winnable. The Jets two weeks after that. The Browns haven't played well. They still got two games against them. And, of course, the Dolphins. So we're not out of the clear here. If you think the Bengals are, you know, a lock to pick top three, they could – Man, they could accidentally win three of those games, I think, of the ones I've, I've named. Not that they've played well enough yet, but looking at the splits of, like, Andy Dalton in the passing offense with and without A.J. Green. They get Green back, let's say, for the Rams game, if not through the bye week and then to the Ravens game. And they could rattle off three wins here at the end. But that's why I kind of look at this Jags game. and The Jaguars aren't that great. Minshew holds the ball long and tries to make things happen. If this D-line can get to him at all, if Geno Atkins can have a game, yeah, maybe they pull this one out and we're sitting and looking at the season like oh no let's not win too many games here i'm never gonna really be able to root for the bengals to lose games when i'm watching a game but i can definitely sit here and think like man they're just gonna play their way into like the eighth overall pick or something and and then we're gonna be in the same situation next year because at that point, you're missing out on Chase Young. Even if you don't want a quarterback this year, you're not going to get Chase right. Young or either of the top two tackles. Then what do you right. do? Draft a wide receiver? Great. Draft a corner, exactly. maybe, if you're lucky? Right. Yeah, you're on the right track there. And did you see PFF's uh, mock draft had the Bengals taking Joe Burrow number one overall? That's two out of two this week that have Joe Burrow going number one overall. That's the Draft Network and PFF both right. did their weekly drafts this week and have Joe Burrow number one overall. And I'm surprised actually to see PFF move that aggressively on Joe Burrow because we just we all know what NFL teams think of one year starters, and he's yeah. done it against good teams against bad teams he's been consistent so you've got to i think appreciate that but i still want to see him do it the next three weeks i'm not going to feel good about any of this stuff until after he's played alabama right he's got a couple more stiff tests in alabama in three or four weeks or something like that but he did absolutely tear apart florida and they're supposed to be a good athletic secondary and good athletic defense so promising yeah and I think PFF's reasoning was that they haven't had a quarterback grade this highly or this efficiently through the first six or seven games, whatever it's been. Uh, I mean, completing nearly 80% of your passes, that's worth something. He he also said, he being Mike Renner, who came on the show, you might remember around just after the draft, I think we talked about the Bengals' outlook for this year. He was one of the guys that was a little bit rosier, and that was before. Like, this is the most injured team I can ever remember, but neither here nor there. He wrote that Joe Burrow has a stronger arm and a quicker release than Tua. Obviously less athletic, maybe a little bit less of a creator, but still was able to do stuff outside of the outside of the structure of the offense. So, yeah, I get it. I'm excited for these quarterbacks. Yeah. We're in week seven, and I'm already ready for next year's draft. Let's go. Yeah, I think we should end every podcast, um, you know, our, our Friday podcast with not only an outlook of what the Bengals game is, but maybe just a – Hey, who are we watching this Saturday, boys, in terms of college quarterbacks? Yeah, let's take a look at the schedule here real quick. I've got easy enough access to that. So 
Ohio State, all of you are Ohio State fans playing against my alma mater, Northwestern, at the feared Ryan Field. Apparently that's one of the places that people hate to play because they leave the grass long. Apparently that makes you slow. If you're a Jalen Hurts guy, Oklahoma playing against West Virginia. That's a noon game. You got Oregon, Washington for two quarterbacks in that one. Uh, Eason and Herbert, of course. That's right. And LSU this week plays against Mississippi State, who is only 3-3, three and three, but it's an SEC opponent, and Mississippi State generally is known to have good teams. I know nothing about them this year. In Alabama, Alabama's off this Alabama week. play? Jake Fromm, if you're still a Jake Fromm guy, plays against UK Saturday at 6 p.m. Alabama plays Tennessee 9 p.m. Saturday, late game. Okay, that's a good one then. All right, great. So we've got some interconference games definitely, which are the ones I think uh, teams go to. I said this last week when Fromm lost, and I said, well, that's the, you know, that's the team people are going to look at. That's the game tape. I mean, the scouts and personnel people are going to look at and say, why did he struggle so much? Because that's the game they're going to break down the most. Yeah, you're going to look at all the other tapes, but what is your best game and why? Again, unless it's against North Dakota Tech Institute, you know, <laughs> you know, if it's if it's against a legit team, what's your best game and what's your worst game? And why was that your best? Why was that your worst? And I think you can get a clear picture or a clearer picture of these prospects. Yeah, I'm with you. So some college football to watch. Not that we would usually do this sort of thing. I don't think either of us are big college football guys, but this year. Oh, man. Just give me something else to watch, I think, is, is part of it. Because I still want to watch football. So this is the most fun. Watching last week when all the quarterbacks were able to, you were able to watch, they're all at different times from Friday night to Saturday night. That was the most fun I had watching football since the season started. I think you got something similar this week too. Because you could even start, you could start at, at 12 at noon and watch uh, Fields from Ohio State and Lawrence at the same time have those going. And then three hours later you can watch Burrow. And then, oh, so Oregon, Washington play at the same time as Burrow this week. I thought that was a three o'clock game, or it is a three mm-hmm. thirty game. I thought it was a six thirty game because they're out on the West Coast, but I guess they're playing early. Gotcha. Well, you know, you have to make your decisions there because uh, Mississippi State for Burrow, those are the ones that shut down from last week, right? So, oh, good point. That might be the the nice. You know, I love watching quarterbacks versus the same schools just to yeah. see what the difference is. Good point. So let's have a quarterback viewing party on Saturday. We'll be back on Sunday to recap the Jaguars game. Actually, it'll just be Joe. I will be away, unfortunately, on Sunday this week. You might hear from me. You might not. We'll both be back together at some point in the future. I think we've got some work schedule stuff about to happen. But the podcast will go on. The show must go on, as they say. So until next time, Bengals fans, have a good one. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild-card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. 
come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.